Hey, welcome to the Bibleosophy Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Wallace. I'm really excited to be looking at the Bible with you. With Bibleosophy, we look at the Bible in its context. We try to place ourselves within that context and then see what and how we can apply this stuff to our lives. Basically, we want to know what wisdom can we gain from genuinely encountering the Bible. Today is our 12th episode, and uh, we're going to have part one of a two-part talk about God and Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> anyway, this first part is a very unusual conversation between God and Abram, Abraham about what is going to happen to these historically very evil cities. Some see this conversation as proof of the Bible being unclear about God knowing everything, but I think it, by the end of this episode, you'll instead see this chapter as possibly some of the best proof of God's transcendent knowledge. Okay, so uh, today we're going to talk about Genesis uh, chapter 18. Um, chapter 19 is the chapter where Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, and we'll deal with that next podcast. This one, uh, we're in chapter 18, there's this uh, God shows up and has another conversation with Abraham, Abraham and uh, I know I'm going to keep messing that one up. So anyway, Abraham, because his name's been changed, uh, but God has this conversation with him and it's really, really interesting and really, really confusing. So uh, uh, been looking forward to doing this one. So many people read this chapter as an example of God changing his mind because it seems that God comes in with this idea that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and then has a conversation with Abraham and then Abraham convinces him a different way, and so God changes his mind. Uh, I think that in general, through the Bible, I think there actually are cases where God does change his mind, but in this story, that's definitely not the point. Uh, to do better Bible, which is one of our goals, we have to ask the questions that the story is actually asking and presenting in front of us. So we can definitely ask other questions once we've asked the the real que the questions that the story is putting in front of us. We can then do follow up, but we if we ask those uh, follow up questions before we understand the primary purpose of the passage, we get hopelessly lost and miss the really important stuff because there's stuff here that God is trying to put in front of us, and if we're asking questions that we think are interesting before we understand God, then man, we're gonna miss it. So. When we hit chapter 18, we, it starts with uh, God, with Yahweh appearing to Abraham again. Um, and uh, this is really close to chapter 17 as far as time frame goes. And Abraham, in this, as you, as you read through it, Abraham demonstrates correct hospitality. He immediately recognizes who these visitors are. There's three men, and it says the Lord, and in that, when it uses that, it's translated as Adonai, but it's Yahweh, if you go back to the Hebrew. And so God himself is there, and uh, with two angels, we later get the sense that our understanding in chapter 19, we get the knowledge that they're angels. Uh, but this is what, it, it, so these three guys, Yahweh and uh, two other men or angels are there. Abram immediately recognizes who they are, does the correct version of hospitality. Um, everything that he does follows everything the way it's supposed to be done. Not Bible-wise, but, uh, but culturally, that's what, that uh, hospitality is a huge, was a huge thing. And so he did it right, as opposed to next chapter, you're going to see how to completely do hospitality wrong. Um, which uh, we'll talk about it when we get there. So anyway, so Yahweh at this point then restates 
because the previous chapter, he states that a year from then, uh, Abraham and Sarah would have a son. And at this point, Yahweh restates that one year after that meeting with them, Sarah would have a son. And Sarah overhears this and scoffs. She laughs and God confronts her about it and says, why did you laugh? And Sarah goes, oh, I didn't laugh. And God, yeah, you did. And it's a little awkward. It's kind, you know, it's supposed to be awkward. It's that God knows what is going on. But at this point in verse 14, it makes this really cool statement where God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And it's uh, the correct term, is anything too hard for Yahweh? Um at the time, and he reasserts at the time set for it. At this season next year, I will return to you, and Sarah will have a son. And that's the the overreaching the arc is that God is providing a son. That God is doing this thing that Abraham and Sarah could not do. That apart from human strength, God is doing something in this family. Okay, He's the one who chose them. He's the one who's moved them. He's the one who's led them. He's the one who's taught them. He's the one who's protected them. He's the one who's providing for them. Okay, this is the message that's coming through this. So as dinner was over and so Yahweh and the angels got up and left, here's where the story gets a a little odd. If If we have preconceived notion that God knows absolutely everything and has no need for humans in any way. And there are some versions of theology that have this, and they just cause major, major problems. Let's let the story be the story and learn from it, rather than come in with these preconceived uh, things that just mess up. And anyway, so what God, here's where, so God, they start to leave, and the verse 17, it says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And so if all we were reading, if we were reading blind and we didn't know anything about this story, we also wouldn't know that uh, God's intent was was to come down and go view Sodom and Gomorrah because he'd heard really bad things. But we're going to get that in just a second. But So God asks himself, asks uh, himself, shall I hide Abraham from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great mighty nation and all the nations shall be blessed in him. So this is a little odd. So uh, God is uh, who, who we have this idea that he has no need for counsel. He doesn't need people coming in, giving him advice, but he asks himself, should we include, uh, I think we need to include Abraham in this, in what's going on here. We need to uh, have him engage this. This is a, a huge thing. So once again, real quick, what do we do when we encounter something odd? So let's first assume that the author isn't dumb and they know that this is different than anything we've seen before, maybe a little weird. And we ask then why the author would put something weird into the story. And then we, we then need to keep placing these stories in the narrative arc that has already been established. So what is the narrative arc that so far? We've got the one I just, the, the, the overreaching thing, or the path that God is doing all of these things. Within this, God has made two major calls, two major meetings with, with, with Abraham, and that we can kind of break the story up a little bit, is God calls Abraham the first time and he says, go be a blessing. 
And God Abraham essentially calls Abraham to be his disciple, to follow Yahweh as if Abraham were following his own father, that wherever God goes, Abraham goes. Where God says go, where God says do, Abraham goes and does. So the second is that God calls Abraham again, and he says, go and walk blameless before me. Guys, these are the steps, just even these two, and there's a lot, we could break it down even further, and we have over the last uh, 11 podcasts, so... But these are the steps in a teaching and learning process. So what we have in this narrative is a learning process of God calling, saying, come follow me. I'm going to teach you how to live. And so as he does this, I think we're coming to this thing where God is saying, I'm continuing to teach you, continuing to demonstrate who I am to you, Abraham. So let's read this again. Uh, what God says in verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of him shall be blessed in him. We can read this is God feeling a type of obligation to Abraham to have him in the loop, but I think it's a poor reading. Consider this as a possibility. When God's saying, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Consider this, that this possibility that instead of God feeling somehow obligated to, to include Abraham, consider it as transparency. That God is being transparent with Abraham so that Abraham can engage in the process of what God is doing. More specifically, that Abraham would engage in the process of of justice. God is teaching Abraham about righteousness and justice. Uh, when I was when my boys were were younger, I would take them out and teach them how to to play soccer specifically, and I would teach them how to kick a ball. I would teach them how to place their their plant foot and teach them how to place their. And if all we did was sat up in the house and talked about it, even just watch TV without going out into the field and actually doing it. They, they really wouldn't learn. And I think God has seen how Abraham, Abraham is applying and going to apply what he knows about Yahweh. I think this is God saying, let's see how Abraham judges this difficult situation. And as we get into this, we see the, the quality of the relationship. Why would this happen? It's because of the quality of the relationship. As we jump down, we were in 17, we go to verse 19. It says, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Listen, by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. So verse 19, right at the beginning, it says, for I have chosen him. That chosen uh, never would have gotten this, but the word there for chosen him is yada. And the reason I hit it is I was looking at other translations and it says, had something to, I've made myself know. What this is saying in verse 19 is, so it begins with, if you're reading the English Standard Version or NIV, it says something close to I have chosen him. But what it says literally is I have made myself known to him. I have revealed who I am to Abraham so that he can teach his children and command his children how to keep following God by doing justice and righteousness. By doing righteousness and justice, I have made myself known to him. 
This is what he's trying to, this is, I, that's what is being communicated. It's not just that he was chosen, but that God revealed who he was to Abraham. And so what God is saying here is that to continue my revealing who I am to Abraham, I need to engage him in this process, in what is going on even with Sodom and Gomorrah. So this whole thing with Sodom and Gomorrah is actually an issue of righteousness and justice. It's not, there's so much, I'm trying to avoid going off on tan or going off on even rants or tangents or anything else because we so much is read into the Sodom and Gomorrah thing and it is used as fodder to be mean it's used as fodder to to prove that people need punishment and this is not the point of this story the point of this story is righteousness and justice and so the problem is introduced in verse 20 and it says, then the Lord said, because of the, out, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So I, I'm going to be honest with you. There's stuff about uh, this issue that uh, uh, it's not just what God knows and what God doesn't know. I think it involves the what I'll call the court of God um, and how things happen within that that the Bible just doesn't reveal to us. Um, why God was going down there to see it, I think, is, a, is an example of grace is actually, well, I'm going to... I understand that something's wrong going there. I need to see how bad it is. And so uh, there's questions we can definitely go, well, doesn't God know everything? I'm saying before we ever even come close to that, let's figure out what the story's about first. Let's dive into it. And I think that you're going to be less interested in that after this. So then the real meat of the conversation happens. And it's just so amazing. So I'm just going to read this thing. Genesis 18, verses 22 through 33, uh, and says, verse 22, so the men turned from there and went to so towards Sodom. Um, so we've got Yahweh, three people came, uh, Yahweh and two came, and uh, at this point, the two are leaving and Yahweh's staying. So, so they went towards Sodom, but Abram stood before the Lord. So the Lord stays with Abram. Then Abram drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. To put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked? Far be, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. So that's verse 26. What do we have is uh, Abram says, wait a minute, uh, I get you're planning on going there and destroying everything. What if there's 50 people? Wait a minute. I know you, God. Far be it from you. I, there's no, you, this isn't you to, to judge the righteous and the wicked as if they're the same. And he says, shall not the judge of the whole earth do what is just? And it's just brilliant. It's just so beautiful, such a beautiful way of putting it. And so uh, in verse 27, um, it says, Abram answered and said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. 
Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Verse 29, again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. And he answered, for for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Verse 30, then he said, oh, let it not be, don't let, Lord, don't be angry for I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. I will not do if 30 are found there. He said, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went on his, own, went his way. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So, a couple of quick things. First off, if, we, uh, if you go back up to verse 26, it says, uh, uh, as the Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city. I just love this word. That righteous word is sadiq. Um, and I don't know why I love that word. I just love the word. Anyway, <coughs> um, <laughs> I just love the word. So I will, it says, I will spare the whole place for their sake. In certain versions, it says, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. And the word there is nasa. And in some version, it's it's called spare. In another version, it's forgive. There's something about bearing the weight rather than allowing the weight to be left on a thing. It's being lifted off. And I just like that concept. I just like the, the idea of sparing something would be to keep what is coming from it. Um, and, and then lifting it off, and, and that there is that forgive idea in there. I just think it's it, it's just brilliant. So Abram continues this conversation and essentially bargains God down is the, is the, the surface reading of this. But what I want to look at is what is Abraham's default? When God reveals his plan to Abraham, what is Abraham's default? See, Abraham knows what Sodom and Gomorrah are all about. Years earlier, if you remember, he refused to even ally himself with the king of Sodom. And he said at that point, the, um, that you're not going to make me rich. There's no way that, that I'm going to be connected with you as if what you gave me, as he's speaking to the king of Sodom, was going to be the thing that made Abraham rich. I'm not going to give you the ability to say that, that you had some influence when I know it's only God's influence. And so Abraham knows what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows that this place is a mess. But Abraham's default isn't the guilt of Sodom and Gomorrah. Instead, his default is the character of Yahweh. In verse 25, Abraham says this, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of the whole earth do what is just? And guys, this is awesome awesome. This is the first instance in the whole Bible of a righteous person interceding or praying for an unrighteous and for the unrighteous. Listen to this. Abraham is using his relationship with God to act as a defense for those who don't deserve a defense. Many read this and get confused about God seeming to change his mind. 
because at first he was going to destroy the cities and then he's not. And it seems like Abraham negotiates him down. And then they're concerned because this must imply that not everything is determined already. And their theological baggage keeps them from simply letting the text be the text. And so they ask something like, doesn't God know everything already? And so isn't this conversation pointless? And so let's just ask it. So does God know everything or does he change his mind? And bluntly, this story just isn't about that. It's a conversation you can have after you understand what it is about. And it's not about that, at least in how most of us mean it. The baggage we bring into this messes up our ability to engage it. We sometimes need to have God so sovereign and so separate um, that it keeps us from seeing our Father who is trying to teach about righteousness and justice. This is about God. How much does God know? Does God know everything? This story, guys, listen, is about God knowing so much and allowing himself to be so known that his purpose is transcendent to the degree that it's not just about information, but it's about what to do with the information and how to use the information to cause growth and give long-term teaching to the degree that thousands and thousands of years later, right now on a podcast, you are learning from the very things that God allowed to happen. What kind of knowledge is that? That's amazing. So does God know everything? Yes. And to the degree that only our blindness and ignorance could not be aware of this. He knows that we need to learn through application. And so he engages Abraham in the process. So how about does he change his mind? Uh, It's not the point here. I think he actually does. <laughs> there is plenty of scripture where there that eventually we'll talk about, but here isn't a, a, this isn't the point. The point is God submitted a case to Abraham. God didn't submit to Abraham. God submitted a case to Abraham. He essentially gave him the file and said, "What do you think?" And they engaged together not about the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, but about righteousness and justice. And if the righteousness and justice were going to cause punishment to happen, that was a given. But what Abraham brought in was the the fullness of justice and righteousness, where he doesn't call God into account, but instead he calls up what he knows about God. He doesn't remind God about who God is. He recalls within himself what God is about. And what is a good teacher? A good teacher isn't somebody who just tells you the answers, where God just can, this is how it's going to, the best teachers give you the tool to solve the issues and then challenge you to apply the principles. And this is what God is doing. So does God change his mind? God is clear. He had not decided yet. He was going to engage the people himself. He was going there to see what was going on. He essentially invites Abraham then into this conversation and into the process. And the conversation, the process is about righteousness and justice. So are the people in Sodom and Gomorrah violating righteousness and justice? Absolutely. 100%. As we get into the next podcast and we read even just a glimpse of what they do 
and what they're about, you, we should be shocked because that's definitely the point of that story is to completely shock us. Abraham doesn't argue this issue. They, they absolutely deserve, I mean, the, the, the atmosphere anyway deserves this. What he does, what Abraham does is he uses his relationship with God to bring more than sin and injustice into the conversation. He, our Abraham, argues the way Yahweh has taught him and shown him that Yahweh is about. He argues the case for the righteous. He argues the case for the righteous that sweeping them away with the unjust would be itself be unjust. And listen, God agrees. This whole conversation is Abraham being humble and Abraham trying to learn what it is to, to engage with God. And God is, is agreeing with him that God agrees with the person he had been training for almost 25 years. With this in mind, he agrees. And I imagine that he agrees like a proud father seeing his son demonstrate what he has been taught. This is awesome. So our next step is pretty brief. It's pretty, pretty just straightforward and really, but pretty broad. It's I want us to think about what we know about the character of God. When we, when we have the opportunity to judge and to even condemn, what is our default? Who do you know that needs mercy more than judgment? Who do you know you more specifically? It's not just your mercy, but the mercy of God more than your judgment, more than his judgment. And instead of agreeing that they deserve the bad things and the hard things like they deserve it, let's pray. Let's care. Let's place our righteousness there and say, God, remember the righteous. Remember what you have done. This is your character. God, do this again. You've changed me. Change them. That's our next step. Imagine what God can do when his people begin and continue to stand in the way of people's own sin. And we see God who wants to be merciful, who wants to be gracious, able to act gracious and merciful. Thank you for listening to the Bible Philosophy Podcast. If this was helpful to you, please take the time to give us a great review. Also, definitely subscribe and then help us out by recommending this podcast to everyone you know. Finally, if you have any questions we could work on or you want to hear more about, please go to our Facebook page and just let us know.